welcome back to the Chicago Justice Podcast. I am your host, Tracy Siska. I'm also executive director of the Chicago Justice Project. You can find out more about us at chicagojustice.org. And if you want to get involved in our work, cjpnation.org. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to jump right into it today. Our first piece that we're going to talk about is... Um, I'm explaining. It is from a website called chicagocontrarian.com, or it should be called alt-right. This is, um, I, I think you should think about it as, in, many are pre-insurrectionists. These are the people that fomented the conspiracy theories, the distrust, the hatred of government, the hatred of everything. Mostly white men, I'm sure. These are the people that built the foundation that led to an insurrection, that led to Trumpianism. There's no doubt about it. And around the time of the insurrection, shortly thereafter, there was a blog called Second City Cop, written by what I have been told for originally a couple on duty, a couple retired, now I believe all retired police officers. That blog, after, sometime after the insurrection, not too distant from it, down. We believe, it would be, it's my belief, that part of the reason they shut down is just to get rid of their message board, their, uh, not message board, their comment section. Horribly, horribly, horribly bad. Very alt-right comments. The blog itself was hate-filled, racist-filled, homophobic, misogynistic, but at the same time, not always wrong about policing things. There were some legitimate complaints on there. So it shuts down shortly after the insurrection. And then it reappears on the Chicago Contrarian site. So the author is Second City Cop, which, by the way, they won't. It's an anonymous and still is. And all it says is about, about who they are is Second City Cop are veteran Chicago police officers living in Chicago. I know from sources that there, at least in the beginning, there were definitely cops involved. Whether there still is, who knows? Um, if there aren't, and there, I mean, first of all, if you're not printing anything that is hate-filled, why not just reveal yourself? Who knows? Okay, let's get to the content. The post we're talking about specifically is called On Chicago, the Erosion of Rights. Yes. If this is poor white men version of our rights are being restricted, you aren't kidding. And really, the main reason I'm bringing this up in this podcast is because it's supposedly written by current or retired police officers. Listen and think about the mental gymnastics it takes to write what they're writing and to think what they're thinking. This spew is very much in line with the insurrectionist, insurrectionist thinking. There's no doubt that they're at least insurrectionist adjacent, right? So let's start looking at the article. First line, it's no secret, 
I mean, there's a subheadline of the Chicago Sun-Times advances progressive disarmament. Who's at war? Someone tell me who's at war? <laughs> okay. So here's the article. It's no secret the media is liberal. We have talked about that on the pod and show before. This is this great white lunatic alt-right mythology that the media is somehow all liberal. There's an incredible, they meet, right? They have these secret meetings. We've done research. I'm hoping to get it restarted on content around reporting and we've run algorithms. And even if you, in the most conservative way you look at it, media coverage of Chicago is at least slightly pro-cop. If you were to look at it in the most norms way social science does, which means any mention of the police department, giving facts and being sought out as expertise on things, then it means the police are overwhelmingly overwhelmingly referred to in the media as highly credible. So let's, let's get away from that. It's a grand conspiracy theory for sure. It's also, this continues with the article, it's also no secret that the media is therefore anti-freedom and anti-constitution. Anti yep. Continuing, disarm the populace, force the populace. Uh-oh, we're getting towards the, the Feel it turning. Do you feel it getting closer to the insurrectionist mind? This is a look inside one, actually. Not even a year ago, in the face of actions by the Texas legislature, the rallying cry became, my body, my choice. Now we have, now we have Illinois rewriting a freedom of conscience statute that was passed in the 1970s because some correct thinking people correctly been, began applying the right to their own bodies. tying that right to their own bodies and the legislators aiding and abetting by a compliant and complicit media. This is about whether or not you have a conscientious objection to taking the vaccine. Now, ladies and gentlemen, as we talked before on this podcast, everyone who's gone to school in America has been under a vaccine mandate. They have been under vaccine mandates. They have no problem with, they never complained before, but suddenly this one is a bridge too far. When they mean freedom over and domain over their own bodies, ladies and gentlemen, they mean white men, white conservative men. These guys aren't pro-abortion, pro-choice. Trust me, they're not. They wanna keep black and brown people, women, as lower to them. That is their mindset. That is what they want. Listen, this is them and the alt-right doing it with them because they're part of the alt-right, applying laws that only benefit them. White wingers. It continues. Brown spends the next few paragraphs, actually, this is Mark Brown they're talking about, not really that important, but I forgot I would tell you, outlining a textbook case of self-defense, but argues that Rittenhouse, because we're talking about the shooting, right, in um, Racine, Wisconsin, needs severe punishment for being young, impressionable, wanting to wanting to more than he may be able to capable of doing as a solo actor. You know, almost the same reasoning that Kim Fox uses to release robbers, rapists, shooters, murderers back into the streets. Amazing how the media narrative aligns with Soros back prosecutors philosophy. Now, ladies and gentlemen, 
facts don't matter because this is I know it allism. White male straight, I know it allism. They know everything. There's there's nothing to question. Facts mean nothing. As I said on the pod before many times, there is no group of 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 there's no profession that believes in conspiracy theories more than police. We need to start psychologically screening for believing in conspiracy theories and witches and ghosts because we have done a horrible job of of concentrating a certain segment of our population in a single profession that think the entire world is against them. They're against bail reform. Can they prove bail reform has been responsible for driving crime and violence? Of course not. They have no data. They don't care. They know it doesn't make a difference. So you see how Trump gets elected. You see how the sixth happens. This is the thinking. These people are crazy. Right? Kim Fox releases data, says it ain't us. It isn't bond reform. And by the way, you're only making arrests for gun possession and you, you're not making any arrests for gun shooting, for shooting guns, right? Well, we don't know. We don't care. We know you're wrong. Really? I prevented, Fox presented data? Beat it. Oh, no, we don't need data. We don't have data. We're not going to look at data. We know. We're white, straight men. We know. That's part of the article. The order followers, I guess that's us, like the ones in Australia who are going door to door checking on subjects, police, beating, macing, arresting protesters, forcibly masking the non-compliant and denying them the ability to move about freely without showing their papers. Now, see, they've gone back from Rittenhouse, they've moved back to the pandemic. Australia has had some really stringent lockdowns. They also have had less deaths than pretty much any single state in America. I think Florida itself has 20 times or 50 times the deaths of Australia. They don't like that. Wait a minute. And just for the record, in America, ladies and gentlemen, can, can someone you know email us at info chicagojustice.org or hit us up on Facebook or Twitter? Can someone tell us who in America beats, maces, and arrests protesters? Because this cop, or these cops, whoever this group of authors are, certainly don't take responsibility for what they do. And this is why there's always been a separation between traditional unions, what we would call traditional unions. Uh, right now, the SEIU for sure, CTU in Chicago for sure, and the police unions. Why? Because when the owners, corporations, politicians, want a strike broken, who do they call? you damn right, they call the police. And what do the police do? What does the American police do? They go in and they beat, they mace, and they arrest. And it's just absolute mind-blowing hypocrisy. But this is how you get to January 6th. This is how you get to Trumpianism. This has been building in America for a very, very long time. These are I think there were four originally, but let's just say it's one person. This guy's worked or working, he's got a pension, making probably ninety, hundred thousand dollars a year, and his life is horribly bad. Just let that sink in. Okay. More alt-rightedness from the same website. 
This is written by a gentleman. I don't know who the hell this person is, but their name is Benjamin Blair. And the title of the article, if the, I don't know if uh, the spewing, I don't know if article is the wrong word, because that means it was researched or facts. Chicago mayor's new anti-racist magic eight ball points fingers at the haters. Now, this is more, more I know it allism. And if you're listening to the pod, all the links to this are going to be up on CJP's website where the, uh, the post is, uh, where the pod is posted under the news section. You can go and get links if you want to all of these things. Now, first of all, does Lori Lightfoot point fingers all the time for things that are her responsibility, the police department's responsibility? Yes. No doubt about it. But these alt writers actually agree many of the times when Lightfoot is actually pointing the fingers because that's what they like to do because the police department itself can do no, not the management, but the officers, as long as they're straight and white and racist, no phobic and misogynistic, they can do no wrong. As long as they're all right, they're the best. So this is a memo spoof, supposedly coming from Lightfoot and they have a bunch of questions and let's go over them real quick. What is responsible for the 2,000 plus cases of aggravated vehicular hijacking expected in Chicago and Cook County in 2011? Their answer, Fox would say, uh, Lightfoot would say, is Fox News. The interesting thing about this, um, you got to remember, ladies and gentlemen, when you're listening to this, they don't ever offer real answers. Hijackings are up across the country, all over the place. Most statistically, it's off the greatest in the smallest of cities in America. So they say Fox News. Next question, what is wrong with the phrase carjacking? Racism. Hmm. Really, I don't think so. Carjackings have always existed, but you know, a little context about how it's up everywhere in the country might help. Next question, what practice, practical skills are Chicago teenager what practical skills are Chicago's teenage vehicular hijackers getting? Lived experiences. Interesting. Hmm. Well, it's, it's supposed to be a spoof. It's totally useless. Next, what do parents think in, is driving the critical race theory curriculum taught in CPS? Fox News. Now, ladies and gentlemen, critical race theory is taught in law schools and some um, upper level college classes. I have taught it. I taught um, race, class, gender, and the law at the University of Illinois Chicago in the criminal justice at that department, the criminal, Department of Criminology, Law and Justice. It's not taught at CPS, but that doesn't make a difference. Their extreme racism, hatred, they're joining the alt-right across America, making culture issues, and that's can, rather than can, culture arguments, rather than contributing to the conversation. Why did 10,000 kids leave CPS system last year with an even greater forecast drop this year? Misinformation. Well, that's not actually true. I mean, they're not even funny, actually, when you get to the answers, but you hear there's no talk about the pandemic, right? Did you hear that? You've seen it, right? You've heard it? No, I haven't mentioned pandemic yet in any of their stuff. Next question. Why is white privilege the primary educational theme at Loyola, Latin, Parker, Lab, Bernard, Zell, and... St. Ignatius, cultural misappropriation. Hmm. 
Dude, this guy is writing about white privilege like it doesn't exist. Why did the party lose the election in Virginia? Lived experiences. He lived, they lost. One, because of a messaging issue. Two, because the alt-right dreams up cultural divide issues and um, drives fervor. I mean, we are towards, we're getting towards a fascist state. Trump is still not in prison, as he should be. All of his people are still not in prison and they're still just driving racism and hatred. I, I'm scared for 2024. Why are the bar, beers moving to Arlington Heights? Equity. Oh, we could only hope. Would they go? If they could take some of the alt-righters with them, God, would Chicago be better off? Uh, can a football team suck more than the Bears also, by the way? Just an aside. What is to blame for rising crime on the north side? Misinformation. No, it's extreme racism, segregation, poverty that is spilling, and the repercussions of that drive violence, and that's spilling over to the north side. Am I incredibly sad about that? I want there to be no violence, but maybe now that it's spilling over to the north side, we'll look for some real answers. They certainly haven't seemed to care over the last 40, 50, 60 years that it was on south and west sides. Why is the CPD fighting my vaccine mandate, gaslighting? Well, ladies and gentlemen, yep, you're fighting it because you have an alt-right head of the union, but the most of the officers are not only double-vaxxed, my friends, they're reporting it also. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I would say racism, extremism, hatred, lunacy, they should all just be fired. That's what it should be. Why is Kim Fox blaming the judges for Chicago's rising crime, white supremacy? No, Fox isn't blaming anyone for the rising crime. She's not pointing fingers. I'm the only people in this discussion suing Fox um, for FOIA violations. So I have an independent mind, independent thought. Fox is not blaming anyone, but their hatred of women, their extreme misogyny and extreme racism can't help them. See, these are cops, and you're probably the farthest of alt writers here. These people think cops should have discretion in the street what, with what they should do, but prosecutors should have no discretion. Because if the prosecutors have discretion, that means they're judging the police use of discretion. And you know, when you live in a white supremacist society, no one's allowed to question white cops. White men with guns, alt right, alt -right white men with guns are unquestionable. Next question. Why is there so much backlash about George Soros funding Kim Fox? Racism, extreme racism, extreme hatred, alt-right. I mean, it's, it's the, that she's a female, it's that she's black, it's that she's progressive, it's that Soros is Jewish, right? I mean, could we get closer to Nazis? I don't really think. This is what we're getting and this is spreading all over the country and it's in Chicago. They're losing in Chicago, but it's nonetheless being supported by lunatic social media people. Um, and the social, well, lunatic social media people, also lunatic aldermen, right? And on Alderman Spizzato, I think 38th Ward, if I got that right, when they asked about why are so many more people being pulled over and ticketed for traffic violations in black and brown communities rather than the white communities, Spizzato said, because whites know how to act and know how to talk themselves out of tickets. That's right, baby. That wasn't racist, was it? <laughs>
So there's two looks in just locally to Chicago, how you end up with what January 6th and why so many military and so many cops were involved. It's because the extremism is rampant, both within in Chicago Police Department, within police departments around the country and our military, unfortunately. And it's people like these last two posters that are driving it. And that's their goal. I'm sure they're very happy with what happened on January 6th. Um, I know our police union head is. Okay, so we're going to move on to our last segment. It's an NBC article called Sergeant Involved in Anjanette Young Raid Should Be Fired, Chicago Police Department Says. Now, I've been getting comments and emails and social media DMs about this. And if you look at like Paul Vallis and the lunatic right, I know Paul Vallis um, sounds progressive at times. I've had him on the show a couple of times, but man, he is alt-right when it comes to the police. His wife's a cop, his son's a cop, not in Chicago, but in some other city around the country. It's interesting. So this is um, Sergeant Alec Walensky. And the interesting thing is, this is a sergeant that, according to people that have DM'd me on social media, wasn't the sergeant that applied for the warrant, but he had to oversee the raid. Originally, I thought, well, he's being fired. They're trying to fire him because he applied for the warrant and it was illegal. They showed many, many stops were over. They didn't do that they should have done, that are regulations required. But that wasn't the case. It seems like this sergeant just came in to oversee the search. Okay. He's accused of eight violations of the rules. I'm not going to go over them all. You can get a link. I'll embed the, um, or at least embed a link to the charges. He's rule one, rule two, rule three, rule five, rule six, rule eight, rule 10, and rule 11. And I'm going to go over some of what is in the content of those rules. Now, each rule can have multiple, each rule violation can have multiple um, rule, multiple counts. So you could have broken rule one 10 times. So it looks like a huge set of charges on him. It really isn't. A lot of it is, in my view, propaganda because like they rule, they copy and paste the same content, like rule one, three counts, or maybe they're all the same count or rule one, Count one is the same as rule two's count one is rule five, rule eight, rule 10. So there's not a lot in here. However, here's where it gets. There is one piece, and I'll get to it at the end, buried in the charges that I'm sure people did not read. I'm sure the alt-right in Chicago did not read. That to me seems... There's a couple of things in there seem to me actionable enough to terminate the officer. But the last one is the big one. And no one's talking about that. Okay. Why are they firing? One, one of the rule violations is approving the execution of a search warrant without adhering to the department's knock and announce rule. Okay. It was not a no-knock warrant. You're supposed to knock and announce yourself, maybe allow her to get something. In this case, it would have let Young maybe put some clothes on. They did not, or maybe would have allowed her to open the door and, and do it more peacefully. It, they did not. All right, that seems to me, you know you're supposed to do it. You know the type of warrant. You got your purposely didn't do it. 
That seems fireable to me. That's copied and pasted seven, eight times through the charges. Failed to provide a copy of the warrant to Anjanette Young. Took over 15 minutes, supposedly, to get it to her. Okay, that seems reasonable. Fireable, I'm not sure. Definitely suspendable. Failed to intervene and disrespect treatment of Anjanette Young in connection with the execution of a search warrant. This one, I was like, well, I mean, you think there's someone with a gun if you're doing this in good faith and you'd gotten the warrant properly and you raided the right house, you think there's someone in there with a gun. So there's going to be a minute or two or three in that raid that if you are raiding it and she is naked, that she is going to have to remain naked um, while you're searching for that person with the gun. But once you clear that there is no one in there, then you've got to do whatever you can to um, cover her, help her get clothes on, get some dignity back for sure. Probably, depending how they define that, could be fireable. Property present a copy of a search warrant to the occupant. Fireable, I don't know. Definitely suspendable, especially if you get to the reasons why they um, didn't give the warrant to her. There's one here, failed to inform or consult or notify or contact or attempt to contact the SWAT team supervisor in connection with the execution of a search warrant at the residence located, I'm not gonna give you your address, in violation of department policy, including special order 50419. Fireable, I don't know, probably suspendable. I'm not sure why they do that. It may be because they're worried if there's a hostage situation, SWAT's gonna to have to be ready to respond. I'm gonna to try to look in this, get more information about that. Here is the one though, ladies and gentlemen, that is really, the piece that's, that the alt-right in Chicago, including Paul Vallis and others are missing about, oh my God, they're firing this guy. I'm gonna read the whole thing. And I've been reading abbreviations of the others. Here's the whole one. On or about February 12th, 2019, while on duty and acting as the supervising sergeant, Sergeant Walensky allowed and permitted and are encouraged and or approved the officers executing a search warrant to detain Anjanette Young and or handcuff Miss Young while she was naked and, and or keep Ms. Young in handcuffs for an extended period of time and or after it had been established that the officers were not at the residence or the intent, residence of the intended target, waiting approximately 15 minutes to present Ms. Young with a copy of the search warrant and or ignored requests by one or more officers on the scene to remove the handcuffs from Ms. Young. There's the key. And to me, the duration of what I would call the human rights violation committed against Ms. Young. No, once again, ladies and gentlemen, if the warrant was properly obtained and they do the raid and everyone thinks it's proper and all the regulations are followed and they really think they're going in after guns, we could argue about that. Let's just take it for now that they did. They didn't in this case, let's just say they did. And they break in and there's a naked female. The police for everyone's safety have to go find not necessarily immediately search every inch of the apartment for the gun itself that they're supposedly going after, but they have to clear that apartment to make sure there's no one with a gun that is going to shoot them or anyone else. So that's a middle, it's a small apartment, two or three minutes, four minutes. I think anything after that, you're really pushing it. And they're searching the apartment and Miss Young has to be naked. It's horrible, but it's, it, it's understandable. From whatever that point is, whether you think it's a minute or two minutes or three minutes or four minutes, 
the apartment's small. They are clearing it. They can find out no one's in it very quickly. They should immediately uncuff her, immediately get her cover, get her clothes. Especially once they're determining. I mean, they should have done that immediately anyways. They can do it safely. Someone can go in the clo closet and grab her clothes. I mean, come on. It isn't hard. Especially after they determine they're in the wrong place. So my view, anytime after the two, three, or four minutes, that was every minute that goes by is an extra minute, an extra count of why this person, the supervisor should be fired. Once they determine that they knew they were in the wrong place, they knew they had the wrong person cuffed. They knew there was no one else loose in the apartment. They knew there was no reason to think there was a gun in there. And they still kept her naked and handcuffed. Obscene. They may be actually criminal. Just totally obscene. The bottom line here is really the heart of what I'm talking about and why no, no one else is talking about. Waited approximately 15 minutes to present Ms. Young with a copy of the warrant. And or, here's the part, ignored requests by one or more officers on the scene to remove the handcuffs from Ms. Young. We'll find out more if this case actually goes to a hearing. I have a feeling the sergeant isn't going to fight this, but we'll see. Many, many officers, when it gets to this point, do resign. If it does get to a hearing, we're going to find out more facts. One of the problems with these charges, the way they're written, they're absent facts. But this last line's interesting, right? How long, how long, when did one or more officers go to the sergeant and request to uncuff Young? When did the officers on the scene, not the sergeant, but the officers realize she was not a threat? When did that happen? And why did this sergeant refuse it? And it would seem to me, if the city can prove that this sergeant refused requests after that two or three or four minute mark that we can all uh, we probably have some differing opinions on it, but we can all agree there's a certain period of time they get to search that apartment. After that, if these officers came to her, their sergeant after that and said, we need to uncuff her because we are not in the right place and sh this is not it, and the sergeant didn't do it, not only should he be fired, but that might also be criminal. The charges in these cases are always written just to suffice to get charges filed with the board. They're never explanatory as we would all want them to be. We will have to see. I mean, you're, remember, ladies and gentlemen, there isn't, for them to get to this point where they could try to fire Walensky, COPA, the Citizen Office of Police Accountability, had to find a, had to have a finding of sustaining allegations against him, and they had to recommend termination. Or the superintendent could have sought an increase in the penalty if they sought if they sustain charges but didn't ask for a firing and then they could meet and discuss it, we don't know what happened. They're keeping everything as tight-lipped as possible. That's a problem. Also, the Deputy Public Safety Inspector General for Public Safety, whose last day is today, Friday, November 12th, Deborah Witzberg is resigning. She has applied to take the Inspector General's position. The Inspector General is Joe Ferguson. I think he left two weeks ago today, if I'm not mistaken. 
She's leaving the office. This is her last day. Um, that office, Deborah filed a report as Joe left the office with the mayor's office. We've talked about it on the show before. It was semi-incomplete because the mayor took actions to make sure that the inspector general couldn't get access to materials from the mayor's office about the young case. That said, both COPA's investigation and the um, and the uh, public safety inspector general's reports are being withheld by the mayor because she is for transparency for everyone else but her. It's the way it goes. It's what happens when you get in the power. You're for everything once it is not for you. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. Thanks for being a member of the pod. Please share as much as you can with friends, colleagues. Obviously, we're trying to grow the audience. If you have questions that you want me to answer, info at chicagojustice.org. If you have guests you want to see interviewed, we're going to be ratcheting up interviews that are appearing on the pod. Um, we're open. Please give us ideas. We want to make sure we're providing you the content you want. Thank you so much. We will see you sometime next week. Have a great day.